The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. So I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season long in DFS leagues? Rotoballer's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit include rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 403. A special guest joining me for the first time on the show. I was actually on a podcast with this gentleman when we did a best ball draft to start the season. That was one of the, the first ones, kind of a live feed deal. And uh, I've been in many chat rooms with him now, getting to know him. And he's just, everybody knows him once I say his name because he creates one of the most dynamic, sometimes controversial uh, brackets in all of Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at Baseball Pods. Chris, how are we doing, man? Oh, thanks, Bubba. I like the fact that you waited till football season to bring me on. Make sure that you know we you got to warm up. You can't bring now that no one's listening anymore. I'm on. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm finally on bench with Bubba. I made you, it to uh, the big. <laughs> yeah, you, you put out that list of your 2022 because I've been like trying so long to not go into 2022. I'm like, we got to focus. We got to focus. And I'm like, okay, we're we're at that point. Like, what else? There's not a ton more besides hey, like we have a segment at the end. We might talk about next week's schedule, but. Pretty much what's done is done for the most part. You might make a few moves here and there, but you've been focusing on 2022, so I'm looking forward to – you're my first guest on to talk. Let's let's, let's twist it go. a different way. You're my first guest to start talking 2022, yeah, so we'll, we'll turn it to the positive. And uh, Bench with Bubba 
Yeah. Apologies to Mike Gianella for that. He's he's not a fan of 2022 yet. He's like, hold on. From you know, he, they did the Great Flags Fly Forever podcast on mm-hmm. baseball prospectus, and he was like, no guys, you can't do 2022 yet. But I'm like, I can't help myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm probably going to start drafting in like three weeks. Exactly. Well, I saw right before we started, I saw DVR put out a tweet that him and Todd Zola are picking 11th in a draft that starts October 1st. For those keeping track, that's next Friday. So like, <laughs> the season's not even over yet. So it's that soon. Um, I don't know what it's for. He didn't say he's like more to come type thing. So who knows what it is, but um, there's a lot going on there. I understand where Mike's coming from. Like I, like I said, I swear I kind of was, but like uh, you know, when Toby and I get a bunch of listener questions over, ha- I, I have like b- a bunch saved on my phone for the first episode after the season. Cause like there were so many deep 2022s, but we're at that point. It's there. Before we get into all that first, let people know where they can find your work because you have your, your website. You've been doing this for a long time, just here and there, and, and, and what you do with baseball pods. Sure, thanks. So, like, you know, I've, uh, I actually have a, like kind of two, uh, not careers because I don't get paid for it, but, you know, levels of engagement with fantasy baseball, uh, writing and content. 25 years ago, I worked with Laura Michaels and others like Todd and and Brian Walton on creative sports when he launched it. And he was a good friend of mine. And I actually did a lot of content like almost every day there for a number of years. Um, And uh, then, you know, life intervened and I stopped writing and kind of focused on the career that does pay me money um, and uh, and allow me to pay my bills. And, you know, but a few years ago, you know, I switched roles and had a little more free time. And I've always listened to baseball pods and loved them. And I was like, man, I got, I just got to, and I discovered like so many pods and I was like, I got to put some shine on these guys. So I launched the app baseball pods account on Twitter and it kind of took off from there. And, um, you know, Justin Mason made me join, uh, made me start a website. That's what I say. So if you don't like what you read on my website, you can, it's at Justin Mason, FWFB. Just, um, just add it to the list of things we can blame Mason for. Absolutely. Because you know, <laughs> he was like, well, you're not going to get into TGFBI unless you have, uh, have content. So I was like, all right, here we go. So um, that's half tongue in cheek. I do like updating it. And I really focus a lot on uh, on Dynasty rankings. I got a top 500. I update about every couple of months. Um, I think Dynasty is one of the more undercovered aspects of uh, the game. There's some great websites out there, but there's plenty of room for more. And I, it's it's quickly becoming one of my favorite ways to play. So uh, um, uh, anyway, that's where you can find me, baseball-pods.com or on Twitter at, uh, at Baseball Pods. Yeah, no, and, and- – Chris is very, very knowledgeable. I, I read his articles when he puts them out there, especially that preseason stuff. You're doing like your top five here and then things. Those are awesome. Like those are the kind of things I like to eat up because they're quick to the point and good stuff. So um, I, I enjoy them. And the, the tournaments are awesome. Like as much you know stuff that happens with them, they're great because they, it goes with what you said. When you, well, first off, when you started the account baseball pods, it was the funniest thing ever because it's like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? everyone like, thought it, I was Yancey? Yeah, the Yancey was texting me and asking me who it was. I, 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 I he's texting me. I got like Bogman and Wells, or we're, we're sitting there trying to figure this thing out, and then all of a sudden, you know, through the, the droves of everything, it finally came out. And uh, the tournaments are great for the fact that you have unearthed so many awesome podcasts, like, there's so many talented people that are. Um, just starting out or there's got a little more following or all because we all start out somewhere and you're helping get the name out there and stuff it's great to see and um, i hope people will take that out of it uh, and, and enjoy it because it is a really really good thing that comes it's from like, it it's i guess it's like it's funny that it's because when i started i thought it, I like a little bit of a lark and mm-hmm. you know and it caught 
everyone was home for COVID in 2000, yep. uh, you know, in 2020. So I think that helped. But off, part of it was like, you know, Rob Silver's, uh, you know, significant other is yeah. an important person in Canada. And she started, I guess, tweeting about it and getting people in on it. And then it kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah. Last year, we had a couple of guys, uh, some people, some yeah. um, where decided to try to hack it. Uh, and, you know, it, but, you know, what it ended up in was uh, just wonderful reflection of the community, which was, you know, the two finalists, which were picture list and, you know, um, under the radar. Or, sorry. It's in barrels. Sorry. Sorry. Got that. I was just listening to uh, Nando. The, the, yeah, Nando Defino. Yeah, but um, but yeah, we're the rates and barrels. Both of them uh, did a, a monster podcast together, which was great. And that's what it's really about. It's about mm-hmm. you know, I just I've people have told me they've started podcasts after listening to after after seeing the tournament. They're like, you know what, I'm going to start a pot, baseball podcast. And for me, it's just about building the community and making it more inclusive. So yeah, I, I love it. Words. We'll see. We'll see what we'll see. Hopefully, we'll be able to avoid uh, uh, any shenanigans in the election. But uh, we live in America in 20, yep. 21, and everyone thinks everything's rigged these days anyway. So, yeah, I was say, you put anything on Twitter and there's that many people involved, something's going to bound to go wrong. It's just the way it is. We can't, we can't all have nice things anymore. But um, it's a good thing. And uh, we're we'll, looking forward to seeing where that continues to go. But let's talk some fantasy baseball here. We'll talk some recent news, not as deep as usual, because if guys are injured by now, they're probably not coming back but we'll talk about a few guys that might come back and kind of just get some general thoughts on them like Shane Bieber it was officially announced on Wednesday is returning to the Cleveland rotation on Friday to make a start how long he goes yet to be determined I think they just want to get a couple innings under his belt before the offseason to kind of get a feel for where things go so my general question to you and it'll probably come up in our top 30 rankings later where do you kind of view Bieber going into 2022 I mean, I, I I was an early Bieber believer and uh, benefited from from him in many places. And like last year, he, he won me some leagues, to be honest. But you know, with the injury, well, part of it will be we'll see. I think he's going to get two starts in, and you know, that's that's a big deal. And by the way, if he was cut on in your league, I think his last start is at Texas. Um, or I would get versus the Rangers. So, you know, I wouldn't start him coming back this week, but I would, st- I might, if he looks okay, I might start him in the next start. Some of them to look for if you're, uh, you know, trying to still compete uh, at the end. But I don't know. I, I don't, there's so many good pitchers. Like, so when I started to look at 2022, I just see a lot of pitchers I like near the top. So I'm probably going to avoid him. I don't know. I have, have a lot of them unless he really falls more than I think he will. I suspect he'll come back, have a couple decent starts. We'll get some really good news over this over the off season. He'll have a good look in spring, and he'll back up. He'll be back up among the top, you know, ten to fifteen starters. Maybe there'll be a little bit of a discount. I imagine. I just don't see myself taking him there with some of the other people that I think are a little safer. Yeah, no, I'm kind of stuck on him, but there's a there's a handful of pitchers we'll discuss that have some like injury concerns that I need to I need answers basically before yeah. I, I can start investing in. And Bieber's one of them because we like you said, when he's healthy, he can help you win a championship. And that's very, very clear. Obviously, if he's not healthy, well, then we have issues to uh, to just discover there. So I am curious to see how these two starts go, if he can just kind of get through them, even if it's just three to four innings, but look like the Bieber of old, get that under his belt, feel a lot better about that scenario uh moving forward. Well, he he said that he wants to come back and show and like he like this is his call. Like he wants mm-hmm. to come back and really test it at the highest level, so he knows what he needs to work on over the off season. So, and you know, Cleveland's got a pretty good history of working with pitchers. So, you know, it, I, I just but I I assume there's going to be someone that's going to take him before I'm willing to. Yeah, 
yeah, no, there's a definite possibility there. And Cleveland, the good thing for them is they have a doubleheader today, uh, today as we record on Thursday. They have one more doubleheader next week. So they're basically going six-man rotation because they need to. So it works out good, Evan. Even if he comes in for three, four, or five innings, that'll help a ton. Um, Wade Miley, for those that are still trusting Wade Miley, who's been actually better than you know, you'd imagine. He's been pretty good for the most part. He's getting his next start skipped for those keeping track at home. The rainout allowed him to do that. He's got like a, a neck shoulder issue right now. Nothing that'll help affect his pitching a ton. But he's getting it, it kind of skipped, and he might start Monday, potentially two-stepping it now is what it looks like. At mm. Pittsburgh, uh, he gets Pittsburgh twice next week, potentially, if all things pan out. So that's something to keep in mind. Were you a Wade Miley guy this year? Yeah, I have him in a lot of places. Um, he's not as good as I thought he was. I was looking at him recently. Like He look gets you some wins, and his ERA is passable, but – that whips actually in 2021. That's a killer, um, and he doesn't he doesn't strike anyone out. So, I you know I think I probably got him in Battle of the Pods and a lot some of the other. I got him. I, he was a deep draft a DC choice for me when when I on almost all my teams and all my best ball teams. I have him everywhere there, but um, I recently realized he hasn't been quite as good as I thought he has been. So probably someone you know that you know to stay away from next year or just. Maybe your ninth, you know, your 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 bench starter or something like that to try to stream. I think that's what he is moving forward. Yeah, he's kind of been a streaming guy for me for the last few years. There's been a, probably stretches this year where you could run him out there more often. Um, but you mentioned it, another Cincinnati pitcher with whip issues. I wonder why that is. I wonder what could possibly be an issue there in Cincinnati. But uh, yeah, as far as he's winning the Gold Glove this year, from what I heard, my goodness, that's uh, that's some brain, like that's some deep, deep level stuff thinking right there to uh, to go with that. And not to mention you have Mike Mustakas playing second base. At least you did for a little while because he's back on the IL, which is just a, a cursed season for him. It's a shame to see, but uh, he's pretty much done for the season. Um, a guy like Moose, obviously, if he's healthy in that ballpark, we were all like super excited about having him there. The eligibility is pretty awesome. Do you see yourself maybe giving him a chance next year? Because I'd imagine he's going to be coming in pretty cheap with all the issues he had in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll want to watch his health in the offseason. He's got the plantar fasciitis, and he can't really plant on his, you know, his foot right now, from what I can tell. And you look at his hard hit data and it's down significantly from last year. And I think that's really what's at the root of the challenge when you look at his numbers underlying it. He's not hitting the ball with any kind of authority. But Cincinnati's paying him $16 million next year and the year after, so he's going to get run. So with the you get the multi-position eligibility. Uh, I imagine it'll be dirt cheap. He's a guy I plan on having on a lot of teams next year, actually, assuming that we get good health reports coming into the season. Uh, I love the multi-eligible position players. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, he's going to get at bats, and at bats are what win fantasy championships. Hundred percent. I've been screaming it from the mountaintops this year, and it started last year for me. Is I try to get as many multiple position guys as I can, um, even on the waiver wires. Like they get priority for me sometimes because it's been so hard just to fill lineups sometimes this season. Yeah. Uh, just the late breaking stuff after the fab period, so you're just kind of screwed to begin with. So you're just scrambling to get guys in. Uh, they might not seem like the best of players, but they come in handy. Like you said, just getting the at-bats, maybe running into one here or there goes a long way. So I like Moose does. He ranks higher for me probably than he will for most people because of um, that eligibility alone. If he's healthy, like you said, he could thrive in that ballpark. And I still believe in the guy. He's got some weird injuries, though. So we'll have to wait and see how, how that pans out. Maybe the DH will show up in the National League and that could, that could ch- save a lot of problems there. But uh, then again, the Reds have a lot of those issues. Naquin's done for the year. You got Winker's done for the year. Lots of guys that could use the DH there in Cincinnati. So Absolutely. All right, Cody Bellinger, one of the more polarizing players in fantasy baseball this season. Um, 
he just hasn't been healthy all year. I was I was curious going into the season why he would change a swing that's been so good for him for so long. I'm wondering if it was because of his shoulders, like I got to change my swing or what it was, but he definitely has not looked right. He had about a two-week stretch, maybe 10-day stretch where it looked good. He's banged up again. Now he's back on the IL. AJ Pollock's back, but sticking with Cody Bellinger for now, as uh, on your dynasty rankings, you have him ranked 80th overall. And uh, first off, how hard was that to rank him? And second, <laughs> second off, even at that ranking, do you see yourself trusting him going forward? He's still so young. Yeah, he's 26. He's shown it. I mean, the question is the shoulder. I mean, he's like Mel Gibson in, you know, in Lethal Weapon, just <laughs> pops his shoulder in and out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't want that necessarily in your first baseman center fielder. But, um, yeah, 80s is a hedge, a total hedge. Like, that. that's my my new updated. I dropped him significantly, obviously, after this year. But in, if you were doing a startup dynasty draft this offseason – I don't know if I'd want to let him go too much further after that because he, you know, he's 26. I mean, he should be able to get this fixed with modern medicine and he should be, maybe it'll take a year, yeah. but, or a year and a half, but I mean, this should be fixable. I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on, but uh, yeah, Bellinger, um, you know, it's funny just talking about how much the off season changes early in the off season, probably o- October of last year, I did a mock draft and we did just the first few rounds and my, I had, uh, uh, I think I had like the 15th pick or 14th pick, something like that. And I got Yelich. And then on the way back, I got Bellinger. Oh, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to, that's the greatest. Like if I get that in March, but by March, I, I knew better, didn't want it, but it just goes to show you how much your thinking will evolve over the off season. But, uh, you know, a year, just to think a year about this time a year ago, we were thinking that's what a great deal Bellinger in the second round. And now we're not even sure he's a top hundred pick in dynasty mm-hmm. 26. Yeah. I, I could see, we'll see in these early, you know, two early mocks and maybe in some of those like November DCs when things get ramped or heck when that TVR and them have their draft, whatever it's for. I'm curious to see, is he a 10 top 10 round pick? Like we're done. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he falls and fall because it got to a point this year where he was hitting seventh or eighth in a platoon for the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll have that same talent level next year. So if he's struggling or whatever, the same scenario takes place. So I probably won't even attempt to draft him next year just for the headache's sake. But there will be a point in a draft where you're sitting there going, hmm. Like if he figures it out, it's that game. Like in a in a in an event with an overall title per se, if he yeah. figures it out, that's like a game changer pick. So you might you might you might want to get like you know one share just to yeah. make sure. Yeah, don't want to miss out on the whole fun there. And if anything happens, you know, you drop them or whatever. But it'll it'll be interesting to see where Belly goes. Uh, I did say AJ Pollock's coming back. Gavin Lux has been playing a ton in the outfield since Pollock first went down, and he's hitting great, hitting really well. So again, we're not going to really talk AJ Pollock a ton here, but Gavin Lux, he's trying to steal most of our hearts again in his last few weeks. Like so many people, like James Anderson is one of the best prospect guys in baseball, and he's always, ever since I've had him on this show, it's always Gavin Lux, Gavin Lux, and. I trust everything James has to say when it comes to prospects. So you knew this talent's there. We just haven't been able to see it, and he's showing it right now on a small sample, but showing it. Is he buying – are you buying back into him potentially for next season uh, on the Dodgers? Absolutely. Just like I would buy back in on Kellenic. I think, you know, if oh, there's yeah. a discount on either one of those guys. You know, 2000 – last year was funky for these minor leaguers, you know, and, you know, things were weird. Things were different. Um, I just – I think that – I think that, you know, you toss it all out and you say, you know, I'm not going to – I don't think I'll have a ton of them because I think they're going to be people that believe more than I do even. 
but Lux is much less sexy than than Kellenic right now. He's going a little more under the radar. So I I think I'll I think I'll end up with some Lux though. I believe in the bat. I don't think it's a, a league winning bat. Um, or he doesn't have never. I think he's got good good upside. Like very to be a good very good major league player. I don't think he's like an, a, a necessarily got Kellenic ceiling. Um, but other than the guy, I would just we should just mention AJ Pollock. Put some respect mm-hmm. on his name. I mean, like if you look at last year, he was incredible. Yep. And this year he's doing extremely well and he's just a guy that gets overlooked again and again and again. And he, he is tough because he's not going to play full time because of his litany of injury histories. He plays for the deep Dodgers and, you know, and, you know, and he's not a, not really a full-time player, but that's a dude I love to draft like from a very, very late fifth outfielder spot in the auction. Sometimes you get him for a buck or two and he, he's just, you, you know, he can hit like that dude knows how to hit. Um, and he's gotten, I think since he's gotten a little bit older, he used to be kind of like a Corbin Carroll kind of type where, you know, more speed than power. And, you know, you're looking at maybe a 10, 15, 30 kind of guy. He's got that grown man, you know, your uncle strength now, and he's hitting some more home runs. So, uh, he's another guy just to, you know, feel great person to, to grab it, you know, as your fourth, fifth outfielder next year, depending on the depth of your league. So I would, I would look at him and, but for the rest of the year, I'm not. I have Pollock on a team that's contending for a championship, and it's not a daily moves league. And I don't think I can afford to put him in there because I agree with what you're saying about Lux. I don't think they're going to bench him. He's 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 hot, and uh, I mean, so I think Pollock will find some at bats, but it won't be at the cost of Lux. I think they're going to try to keep Lux's bat in that lineup. Yeah, no, and I, I'll agree with you on the Pollock thing. Pollock's one of those guys that. In the world of injuries these days, it's hard to keep him on certain rosters because you just need to churn and burn that roster depth. But when he plays, like you said, he's been great. He's a guy that I've I, I've kind of been in and out on for the for season long stuff where I have to do fab work. But on teams, I realize like I have him in best ball leagues and, and draft and hold leagues where it's like you know what? Okay, I got depth when he's healthy. I can plug him in when he's not. I got other guys like I can mix and match because he is that kind of game changer type, like you mentioned. So I agree on Pollock the. I guess the frustrating thing for me always with the Dodgers, besides being a Giants fan, is they just platoon the heck out of some of these guys. Like even when they're good, and that's maybe that keeps them good. I don't know. Maybe like they put them in the best case scenarios. We'll see. Giants they, are doing the same thing now, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it, you can't roster many of them. Even Brandon Belt gets platooned now with like Darren Ruff. Now Ruff just went on the IL on Thursday, so that might change things. But it's bananas what they're doing. They're like that's why I love the Bryant trade because he's playing everywhere. He he allows guys to get days off, and he's one of the few guys that plays almost every day because of that but yeah it's wild wild watching that whole thing play out here i did want to mention something with gavin lux which will make him even more appealing kind of going back to something we talked about um on a previous player like moustakis in 2021 lux has played 27 games at second base he has played 59 games at shortstop and he's played 10 games in the outfield so you're going to get some nice flexibility with that bat as well and if he's they want him out there it was just he was struggling early on. They want to play Gavin Lux. So I'm with you on that. I think it'll be a fun one. Someone in your draft will like him a lot, though, as you said. So that'll make things a little tricky. Let's talk about another prospect real quick. Shane Boz, the third man in the Chris Archer deal that uh, just continues to just make me laugh every time, um, makes his debut, five innings, two hits, both solo shots, five strikeouts, zero walks. He looked as advertised, Chris. Like, it was pretty darn awesome. He has a start this Sunday against Miami. That won't stink, probably. And then next week, he does have at the Yankees. So I don't know if we want to go that far just yet. The Yankees strike out a lot. So what's your thoughts on Shane Baz? If anything, what are you thinking going into next year? Because if he puts even a good start against Miami together, that hype train is going to go through the roof. 
Well, and when they called him up, a lot of people, I picked him up in the two start, the first two starts in a league where I needed him. Um, but there was some hesitation. I think people were like, well, it's the Rays. They're not going to let him pitch the full, you know, for more than a few innings. He's not probably not, he doesn't have a spot in the rotation. Well, now Michael Walker's in the bullpen. And so it does look like he's got a spot in the rotation. And I think Paul and Justin were talking about on Sleeper in the Bust about whether or not he's going to make the postseason roster. And Justin said he was called up too late to do it, but scores no. the, under the impression that there'll, some, there'll be some loophole to be manipulated, which is probably true because the Rays probably are smarter right. than all of us put together. They figure it out. Um, so Boz, I think uh, he's, he's going to be – I'm a Yankees fan. I would start Boz against them easily. I mean, they do strike out a lot, and they're hot and cold. And who knows where they'll be on that day. The other thing I like about Tampa is they protect their pitchers. Um, you know, like they, they're, they're you're not going to get uh, very rarely going to get like a, a disaster start to use the baseball baseball HQ. It feels like their pitchers, you know, they're very careful with them, and uh, so I'm, uh, even it might not be a great start, I'd be fine with it. Next year, depending on what he does in these next two starts, he could shoot up the lists. I mean. Yeah. You could see him being drafted as a top twenty pitcher, and so I think we got to figure. You know, be careful. I mean, re- let's remember the Met, the Sixto Sanchez, yeah. um, who was drafted very highly this year by some very smart people uh, throughout the throughout the off season, and hasn't pitched. I don't think, or if he has, has been no, well, he never never threw a pitch. Never made it back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what a weird start to a career, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I just think. Um, I, I won't overpay for someone. I feel like it's an overpay where he'll probably go next year, assuming he doesn't get his head bashed in in these last two starts. I yeah, think I it's going to be tough to afford him. I, I agree, and that's that's the part that's going to be tough, the overpay part, because when you look at it, in the minors between AA and AAA, he combined for about 78 innings, give or take. So say he throws another five in each start, and now we're talking he'll, he'll be getting close to 100. I think he's they are going to find a way to get him on the postseason. I remember hearing – uh, Eno Saris and DVR talk about it, and Eno knows all those loopholes. So they basically said it makes sense that the the Rays rotation is such a mess. That's why Walker went to the bullpen. It's like all of a sudden it's Baz and Rasmussen and McClanahan. Like those are your guys that at the beginning of the season, none of them are even in the rotation. And those are the guys you're going into the playoff with. So, and Baz is probably the best one out of the three, potentially. So that if, makes things. If, if he performs in the playoffs on a national stage. Oh, goodness gracious. Out. It's the Randy Rosarena treatment for a pitcher. Like all of a sudden he comes skyrocketing up, but it'll be fun. The question I have for you, just for fun, would you rather going into 2022 and maybe it's price dependent, Shane Boz or Joe Ryan? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I think it is price dependent. I think I, don't, I, think I will end up with some Joe Ryan because I think he's going to be cheaper. Um, I'd go with Boz uh, over Ryan, but I think it's a good it's a good shout. Um, I, I think Ryan's uh, he he's shown a lot. Uh, in what he did last night in Chicago, my goodness! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. It looked amazing, but um, I, I mean, just when you look at the prospect rankings, you know, yeah. I trust those guys for a reason. I do my own rankings, and Boz is definitely, you know, a much higher. So I, you know, I believe in the talent there, and and uh, and I would definitely uh, so I'd, I'd lean Boz, but um, I'm more likely to end up with Ryan because of the price. Yeah, that's where I'm at too, and I'm going to try to make it a point. I think to get some Ryan, yeah. uh, we we've seen him stretched out. You know, the between the Olympics, he's been on big stages, which means a lot to me. I know it might sound silly, but if yeah. a kid's got that kind of experience, that just takes a whole another leap to me. Um, and, and what he did. I know it's the Cubs roster. The Cubs got some pop, but they strike out nearly 30% of the time versus righties in September. Like, it's bad. I get it. It's bad. But he made him look foolish. Like, he just sliced and diced him, which was very impressive to see. Uh, so I'll definitely be buying into that in a world where how many times – you listen to a ton of podcasts. 
how many times do you hear um, hosts or guests or what, whoever say how hard it is to get strikeouts and wins right now? Yeah. Well, well Joe Ryan's going to get you at least one of those pretty much every time out. Yes. Yeah. No, he's going to, he's, I said, the thing for me is uh, the question that I'll be looking at with Ryan too is what's Minnesota going to do there this offseason? They're in a weird True. place. I mean, I don't know. Like, are they, re, you know, I can't imagine they're going to do a total rebuild. But um, the, the thing that's nice about Ryan is no matter what they do, he's going to have a spot in that rotation because they traded away uh, they traded away Barrios and Might is out for all next season. Yep. And that's the one thing every single year and every preview thing I've ever done, the biggest question mark with every Twins team is that rotation. They like, It seems like they never do enough to shore that rotation. Bats are there. Bats are fine. You know, Nelly's gone. Maybe Donaldson comes back. Kirloff will be back healthy. They have Royce Lewis right on the doorstep. They have a lot of young talent that's close yep. offensively. Pitching wise is the the question mark per se. So I'm with you. I think he'll have a spot for sure. Which, you know, nothing would shock me more than the Rays saying, "Well, Baz needs a little more work to start the season." Like nothing would shock me more than to hear them say that. They shouldn't. There's no reason they should. But I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> so, no, no. Um, but the Rays, they they like to mess with us. Uh, just one of the thing you mentioned about the that Twins team. Like I I love Kirilov. I'm yes. in on him next so year. When he got hurt. Oh. Yeah, like I'm, but I was bummed. But then part of me was also like, "I'll just draft price." Mr. Burns, like excellence, you know. <laughs> now yep. I'll get a bargain next year. <laughs> yep. Well, he's kind of like like Jared Kalenic. You mentioned him earlier, and his September has been great for anybody that's still paying attention to baseball. You heard it, you've seen it. Even the average is coming up there. For a while, the average wasn't, but he started to hit well. Now it's all starting to come together. His, his plate discipline, all that. The one fun thing is, to me at least, Kirilov was just the same level of prospect hype for the longest time, but everyone started talking clinics. You see every Twitter thread of the home runs this, home runs that. And then, like you said, Kirilov gets hurt. Right now everyone's seeing clinic go up. I'm not saying they're the same exact player, but they're very similar in my mind, and you could get one a lot later. So I'm on board with what you're saying there. It got Because I, I picked up Kirilov. I was writing articles promoting Kirilov, like, and then he yells and gets hurt, and it was a big bummer because the dude's awesome. And, um, yeah, 100% on board with you on that one. Uh, last piece of news here real quick. Carlos Rodon, he left with another shoulder impingement, injury, whatever you want to call it. But now Tony LaRusso came out on Thursday saying he's going to pitch next Wednesday or Thursday in his normal spot in the rotation, which I think is silly. But I guess they want to see if he's ready for the postseason. That's one angle to look at it. It's been a headache. Like Part of it, it's awesome to see how well he's thrown this year. You have to root for the guy, like the no-hitter, just everything he's gone through to do this. There's a point where you got to be like, hey, for your own health, maybe sit this one out and get it together for the future. Like it's a tough, it's a tough, when you're a competitor, you're going to go, I get it, but it's, it's a tough one to see. You obviously are going to keep rolling with them for now, I guess, if you have them, because the strikeouts are legit, no matter how many innings he throws, how are, it's been a big topic and conversation in our chats we're in though. Where do you see him going next year? I don't know. It depends. Part of it depends on uh, how he if finishes he the season and he makes it to the end. And then part yeah. of it depends on where he signs if he signs with an organization that feels like they know what they're doing with pitchers, I I could I could be in on him. Um, I'm not gonna I'm I'm not once again like I'm risk averse when it comes to these guys, so I'm not gonna take him with. It's probably my SP two, but if I was looking at like if I was looking at an, uh, an earlyish SP three, he'd be someone that I'd be in on. You look at the numbers and they're dominating. I mean, this is not like this is not like you know a Disney movie comeback story where you know, but this guy's dominating. I mean, he is. Those strikeout numbers are insane. Um, uh, so I think that's where I'm looking at, looking at another, like, you know, maybe like an SP three, uh, if I, if I go there a little bit early, I don't, I, once again, I, once again, another guy, I don't think I'll have a lot of, but I do think, um, if he 
signs with the right team and he looks good in the spring, looks healthy, you know, I could see it. By the way, another guy on this team that I just I've been tucking away in some dynasty leagues and uh in a guy that uh, I hope he finds a spot in the rotation next year that I'm like really intrigued by what I'm seeing right now is Reynaldo Lopez. Yeah. I mean, like it's so funny, like the White Sox are like the king, they have this like you know, uh, you know, this, you know, terrible to good in one year story. Like the last year they had Giolito this year, it's Radon and maybe next year it'll be in Lopez has started to show a little bit this year, although he's not, you know, it doesn't have a full-time spot in the rotation, but he's someone else. Just go see, look at that strikeout to walk ratio and mm-hmm. watch what, what Raylo's doing. I think, you know, he's not getting, I think the league's going to adjust to what he's doing, but maybe he can adjust back and he's a guy I'll be looking for to throw, uh, you know, that's the type of league winner guy in deep drafts. I'll be trying to throw some, uh, you know, get very late uh, in, in best balls and other early drafts in the offseason because I think no one's really paying attention to him, and he's got the upside of these other guys. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Uh, he's a guy this year I didn't go after him at all, but in previous years I was always a sucker for Ronaldo Lopez because it's pretty much what you are mentioning, the, the talent level's always been really good. It's either been a pitch mix thing or there's been something just missing. He starts giving him home runs, and it just goes goes bad real quick. Yeah. And maybe these little stents in the bullpens, like, hey, go pitch two to three innings. Just relax. Just go pitch two to three innings and see what happens. You started seeing him uh, the fastball, using the fastball more, locating it better. You mentioned the strikeout to walks was impressive because even in past years, not just home runs, he'd walk the world. So that was always an issue. So I'm with you on that. That could be very interesting to see where that goes. We'll have Kopech in the rotation also, most likely, who's a freak as well. Uh, Cease is taking the next step potentially. Yep. White Sox are going to be good. White Sox are very good. All right, let's talk 2022. Let's have some fun with this. Um, you're, you're, you, you put out your two, your two early, top 30, as you said, uh, yep. basically the first two rounds of a 15-team NFBC-type league. Uh, you've updated this every few weeks. Um, we joked about it before the show, but how confident are you in this top 30? <laughs> <laughs> well, given, given the, Yel- the Yelich-Bellinger story, uh, you know, I shouldn't be. But, you know, I'm pretty confident in, in a couple of things. One, I'm pretty confident in the top um, – in the top half of the first round, I think we're going to, I ever there, I think that we've never seen, I've been playing fantasy baseball for what, 30 years now, probably since I was a kid. And I've never seen this much turnover among the stars in the first round. It's bananas. Uh, You know, I just, I've never seen it. So um, uh, I think that's interesting. That's that, that, and then, you know, we're still feeling the effects of 2020. It was a shortened season. So like this year, like Teoscar Hernandez, you know, he went off last year. So this is the, so now this is the first year where, wait a minute, now he's done it over a full season and actually gotten better. So it's like 2020, like worse, that's still messing with our projection systems. That's still messing with our valuation of players. So it's just still a very going to be a 2022 is going to be a very unique year. Um, So that's the first thing I'm confident in is that the top half of that first round, I feel pretty good about, um, and then the second thing, the second thing I feel pretty good about is I don't see myself. Uh, there are some pitchers in this in the in this top thirty, but given where I would have them ranked, I won't have any of them on any rosters. I just see too much. There's too much good pitching up top that seems too similar to me, um, you know. And I, I have Garrett Cole ranked in my middle of the second round. He'll probably be. You know, in one mock draft, he was the first overall pick I've already seen. So I'm not getting any part of Cole in, in, in most drafts for next year. But um, I don't see that much of a big of a difference between him and Lance Lynn. And I think I'll be able to get Lance Lynn two rounds later. And there's guys like – there's new guys on the scene like Sandy Alcantara, who I think is an ace. But yeah. And I think some people do, but the general public doesn't yet. And so 
the way I look at it, I'm pretty confident I'm not going to end up with a, a pitcher in the first two rounds in most of my drafts. I mean, I might deviate depending on how many drafts I do. In the top half of the first round, I'll tell you, I would love a top like seven or eight pick. Like that would be my uh, where I want to be because I think that there's super solid people there. Uh, in my top eight, Joe, I'll just you want me to re- I'll read off a few of them. Sure. That's all right. So I've got Trey Turner is my number one. Jose Ramirez is my number two. Tatis is my three. Acuna is my four. He's the only one I don't feel great about. I'm assuming full health, obviously. If he's not fully healthy, I won't. Yeah, let's pretty much both of our top threes were assuming health. Obviously, things yeah. change. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Bichette, Vlad, Soto, Betts, Harper. That's like yeah. that's kind of where I feel like um, I feel great about all those guys. And then my the next seven are uh, great players, or six, I think, are great players, but they are certainly – eyebrow raisers in some question you wouldn't think of them as first rounders maybe otani starling Marte, kyle tucker ozzy albies manny machado and cedric mullins so i mean otani's doing otherworldly things but i don't think i don't feel i won't feel confident in his hand him as my first round pick next year but i also don't know how i can pass up that level of talent so those are my that's my first round that's my top 15 and I really do see a break after Harper, who I think is perennially underrated yeah. in fantasy. I think, and and you know Machado to an extent is is a nice little. He's he's a solid dude down there as well. You kind of know what you're getting there. But I mean, Starling Marte is a first rounder, like twelve. Kyle Tucker, this is his first year finally doing it. Ozzy Albies, he just keeps on getting better, and uh, he's had some real bad hit, bad ball luck this year. He's, I think he's he'll be a first round talent. And Cedric Mullins, I mean. I saw a mock draft. We went like the third round. I was like, you guys are crazy. Like no one else is 30, 30. And by the way, all the data backs it up. All the analytics you want, back it up. Like he is going to, he is his floor. I think 260, 2020. Fine. That's not going to lose me a first. That's not going to lose me a league. If that's what I get in the first round. That's the big thing right there. That's what I try to tell people is I know there's like, okay, well I'll just use Luis Castillo as an example. Was he worth the second round pick last year? No. But the debate that I was standing up for, maybe I'm on the wrong side of the spectrum. My argument was what you just said. Did he lose me my draft at the second round? No, because look what he's done since his bad start. If you kept running him out there, he's been one of your best pitchers since then. You got to think of the, the big picture here. As, as bad as pitching has been, he didn't lose. Your, he might not have helped you win because he wasn't that like Robbie Ray type. He didn't lose it for you, though. Same with like a Giolito. So that's my argument. Yeah, does it stink you drive him in the second round in hindsight? Yes, but we're always going to have a pick or two that goes, oh, man, that, that really – ask Scott Jansted, one of the best players out there. I think he had one league where I think TGFBI, his top ten picks all were on the IL at one time. Like, yeah. like it's like, what do you do? You can't do anything. So that's just that's just the breaks. So um, that's interesting. I'm going to go through my top uh, 15 here and we can kind of compare notes because we have a lot of similar players. Um, I agree on a lot of the things you said. Uh, I do have pitchers here. The caveats I will bring is in the mock draft, I went pitcher-pitcher at pick 11. I didn't feel comfortable with most of my picks after that. Usually I do. By the end, once I started forming things through five or six rounds, I felt better. Um, But it was one of those, I'd watch certain guys go and go, crap. Okay, that wasn't what I wanted. Um, like, just for the, the listener's sake, I went Burns, Bueller is a 12-teamer, though. Then I went T. Oscar, who I was happy with at the end of round three. Machado, round four. Baez, Rosarena, Chisholm, and then back to Lance McCullers. So if you get a trend there, Hernandez, Machado, Baez, Rosarena, it's my kind of drafting where you're getting stolen base guys that, that help you elsewhere. But there's still some war that could be had there. My round one, I still have Soto number one. And I know many people will hate me for that. 
but I'm like just seeing what he does time and time again. He's the most consistent floor you're going to find in baseball right now. That that's that's my two cents. So again, could he win you your league? Possibly. Will he lose your league? I don't think so. And he steals more bases than people give him credit for. He's not going to light the world on fire. But he's going to get you double digit steals. I have Trey Turner too, so I'm real close with you there. Huge Trey Turner fan. I have Tatis three, um, Acuna four, but I have Bobachet five. As I think he's the 2025 or 2025-25, maybe even 30-30 someday upside guy. J Ram six, Mookie Bet seven. Then I got Cole and Negrom eight and nine, just because I'm uh, I see them going there and depending on the situation, but I probably won't be taking him. And then Vadito ten, I just can't go higher than that. I I know his triple crown type season. There's regressions of a beautiful thing, but um, he's still gonna be very very good. Very, very good. But I have him 10. I have Harper 11 because to me, they're almost the same player. If, if you really break it down, um, Corbin Burns 12, Walker Buehler 13. I have Kyle Tucker 14 and Starling Marte 15. So I'm with you on those two. Literally 25 25. But they could, well, Marte doesn't have as much power anymore. Kyle Tucker could be your next 30 30 type guy. So I'm with you on those. So we're, we're similar, but I got the pitching. Um, I'll let you go through your next 15 and then we'll start really comparing notes here. So what do you have on the next 15? So I got Devers, um, 16. So first pick around two. Freddie, good old Freddie Freeman, man. Talk about a guy that doesn't, you know, one of these guys with the floor, um, you know, just keeps on doing it. Luis Robert, who's probably the guy who could jump into the first round for me. Like if someone was going to fall out, uh, just, he keeps on moving up and up. I mean, he, he's, you see the ball, he crushed the ball the other I mean, He's ridiculous. I, I don't think he's got as much speed, still steals as people quite think. Like, I don't think he's going to, he's not like a, I don't think he's going to steal as much as people think, but I still think he's good for, you know, 15 or 20 bags for sure. Then I got um, Trout because, you know, he's still Mike Trout, um, although the injury history is very real. And uh, when I put this out, he's the person I get the most uh, criticism on. And I'm just like, guys, if his name wasn't Mike Trout, like, go look at, Look at the last few years. It sucks, but it's happening. Like, you have to be real about it. Um, Tay Oscar, Whit Merrifield, who just does things that most people – keeps on doing things that most people don't do. And I don't see why Kansas City is going to stop running next year. He's got a great hit tool. Downgrade him in OBP leagues. And then I here come my pitchers. Cole and Bueller are the top two. I see them as the top two pitchers. Trevor Story, obviously, depending on where he goes, that could move him up and down a little bit. But once another guy who – didn't who was a bust kind of in terms of the way that he he wasn't what you wanted, but he didn't lose you the league. He still has five tools. Jordan Alvarez, just because I think you know he could do what Vlad's doing this year. Um, Woodruff and Burns, I put them together. I like Woodruff a little bit more, uh, but uh, you know whatever. Scherzer because I was dead. The guy that I was the most wrong on this year is Max Scherzer. Let me tell you, I was worried about his health. He looks great. He's on the Dodgers. They know how to take care of their pitchers. He's going to win, you know, 20 plus games next year. And then Xander Bogarts, who has been playing through an injury for about half. He had an amazing first half of the season. God dings is playing through the injury. I think uh, he also steals more than and has a little more of a five category appeal that most people give him credit for. So that's, those are my next 15. Again, we have, we have a lot of the similar guys. At 16, I have Scherzer. 17, I have Machado, who grows on me more and more. When he start looking, he's actually stealing bases again. Um, yeah. 18th, I got Devers. 19th, Trout. Like, I want to put him higher. I want to put him lower. And I, I, I told Chris before the show that just making this list on Wednesday night, I scratched it out and rewrote it. Like, this is going to be a massive work in progress uh, going through this. Um, at 20, I have Otani. The, the reason I have him low is – could the dude win your league? Of course. I don't doubt it. 
I'm just so scary because, A, you have to pick him to play one of two positions each week. So you're going to miss out on something along the way. B, the fact he's pitching and hitting that just doubles the injury risk. The dude's a beast, so I, I won't knock anybody for taking him. I just knock him down a few pegs. Like if he fell into like the middle of er- or early round two in a draft, I'd probably snipe him up in a heartbeat. But it's just like uh, Justin Mason. I think took him sixth overall, seventh overall in our mock draft. I don't hate it. I just I just can't do it. I have Woodruff twenty one, Albie's twenty two, um, Albie's and Whit Merrifield. I have Merrifield twenty five. I was close to putting both of them higher, but it, it's. We'll see. I have T. Oscar 23. I have Freeman 24. I mentioned Witt's 25. Sed Mullins 26. Lou Bob 27. Trevor Story 28. Um, Xander 29. And Bieber I put as 30 because if he's healthy, I think even 30 could be potentially a steal when you're looking at the uh, the pitching landscape. We'll see. Now, the thing is with um, the pitchers, a lot of this will change, as we've talked about. And I can see me moving more hitters up because even just doing this mock draft with you and the other guys – pitchers there's like there's still that kind of elite tier kind of but it seems like it's almost like they're kind of morphing together now compared more so than it was going into 2021 kind of what you were hinting at earlier um so i could see myself waiting because um some of the names we didn't even mention at pitching like robbie ray zach wheeler uh gilito alcantara like who is a stud like you said chris sale if he's healthy like outside of round two is pretty darn amazing you got Urias, uh, Frankie Montas has been good. Bassett is healthy. There's just a long list. You Darvish is down there. Like there's a long, long list of guys that could be formidable options if you don't want to take them early. So I guess one of my first questions for you would be the fact that you're willing to wait on pitching. Is it uh, because the pitching kind of evens out more, or is it because you want to really lock in those bats? Well. So part of this is just general analysis. And then part of this is like trying to become a better player myself. Um, So the general analysis, if I look at it is objectively, like you said, it just seems like there's a lot, there's a deeper list of similar pitchers that have similar projected values in my mind. Like last year, there was this group, the three group, the three guys at the top, and there was another group of guys. And then there was a, a kind of a big drop. This year, I don't see that differential. I don't see Cole separating himself from Lynn or Scherzer or Burns or Woodruff or Bueller or like you know or those guys. I mean, he's better. He's at the top. I don't see. I don't feel feel like there's a big difference between him and probably ten other guys. So, and, and I just think so. I think that's one of the reasons. The second second thing is just looking at my like the way I've been playing the last couple of years since I've really gotten back into it and started playing in industry leagues is I just I'm better at pitch at get finding or drafting pitching than hitting personally. So like whatever the format has been, I looked at looking at my points and my standings and I'm better at drafting it. I'm better at finding it. And uh, and I'm just not as good at, at doing that with hitting. So part of that is personally just trying to become a better player and understanding what my strengths and weaknesses are. And I'm better at finding late pitching for sure than I am at finding late hitting. So for me, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to stack those bats at the top. And then the other thing is just kind of looking at, um, you know, looking, look, just looking at a team build, you know, I just want, and you'll see like, you know, there's a reason Starling Marte is in my first round because he, you know, he's not only, yes, he's old, but like he's stealing bases at an incredibly efficient clip. He's going to be in a play. If he, wherever he signs next year, they're going to want him to run. Cause that's why you're bringing him on. And, you know, a super high average and a super and super high stolen bases. Those are the hardest things to find. Uh, and so, you know, it's more and more. I just find myself pushing those guys up my draft board. Yeah, I'm with you. One of my big things I preach on drafting is 
I try not to draft too many I don't, dead weights, not the right word, but a dead category player. And like when you do that with Harper, kind of a dead category player. Vlad's definitely a dead category player. J.D. Martinez and Nelson Cruz those used to be the big examples early on. I don't mind doing it. You just got to basically, okay, I got to get wit or I got to get Starling Marte, like you said, yep. or something, something along those lines, which is fine if that works out in the function of your draft. I seem to be better at uh, getting like those multiple guys in there that give me 10 to 15, 10 to 15, and and go from there. Like I mentioned in the mock draft, I picked up Jazz Chisholm. I think he can be sneaky. He, he might get 20-20 this year without even playing like 100 games or something. Like that dude's got some crazy potential, and he might come at a – the, the comment I made to Toby on Tuesday is right now you look on paper, he's probably around 80 to 100 in a draft. By the time the big boys draft in March, he's he could sneak into the third to second round. I wouldn't be shocked. Just when they start breaking down the steals and homer possibilities, he's a mini Bichette. So it's it's interesting. He's, I mean, he strikes out too much, and you know, he's got so he's got some bad average floor that you that you'd rather not have in that position. But yeah, I mean, he's going to go 2020 this year, and he's missed like half the season. Uh, and he and you know, he's also one of the one of my favorite players of baseball to watch. He's got so more swagger fun. than anyone else I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that whole thing where he was doing his little, his little dance, uh, going to home plate, and the pitcher did it to him the next night. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. But what I love about him is, like, this is the new school. Like, you know, okay, so he did his little dubstep, and then yeah. the pitcher did the dubstep. And then or so uh, another guy was on, on – so MLB, like, put that up there. And then someone on Twitter was like uh, – um, Better that than getting hit in the face or getting hit by a yeah. pitch. And Jazz, Jazz was like, "Hell yeah!" Like he's yep. like, he's not mad at it. It's like the way Tatis doesn't get mad at it. The way I mean, my favorite moment of the year still may be like Tatis going back with the covered eye when he's yep. at his home run trot towards Bauer. Uh, for a lot of reasons, I love that. But um, yeah. but no, I mean, I love Jazz Chisholm. Like he's just joyful to watch uh, play baseball. And um, I mean, God, you know, the Mar- I, was, I tweeted something today. The Marlins have so many damn arms, like. I, they better be on the phone already, uh, getting ready to unload some of these guys because Chisholm needs some other people around him, and you know they got a couple decent pieces. Lewin Diaz could be a guy, but they're like they need like Chris Towers. He's always he's a big Marlins fan, and he's like we need like six hitters. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy to get six good hitters. So yeah, it's like because well, Jesus Sanchez will be there. Brian De La Cruz is good, but he's over his skis right now. Like to be realistic about it, if you look at it. He's going to be formidable, but he's not going to be. I don't think the guy is now. Unless, hey, maybe he takes another step we didn't see at the all site last year. Who yeah. knows? But um, you mentioned Lou and Diaz. You got Jazz. There's pieces, but yeah, they need a couple of big. They got money is the annoying thing, but they also have the pitching. It's like they're that stable of arms. The, the you know, there's them. There's Cleveland. The Astros are always that way. Um, just they just keep brewing them out there, and it, it'll be really interesting to see how that all pans out. Like you said, if they can make some trades or. Um, they're going to have to make trades, basically. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Should be a lot of fun, though. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I like to get the multi-category guys. Like, Witt's been huge on some of the teams I'm doing well on this year. You know, you mentioned Starling Marte. But it's also you got the flip side. You could, People thought they could do that with Adalberto Montesi. We saw how that panned out. So, it, it's an interesting dynamic. Mon- there. What are you doing with Montesi next year, Bubba? Probably still not touching him again. Unless, unless, well, yeah, unless probably isn't even the right way to say it. They weren't even committed to him in a full-time role the rest of this season. I know it's partly health reasons, but partly because Nicky Lopez is actually playing good enough to play every day and everything. So it'll be interesting. Like Spring training is going to be big to see where do they put all these guys. Is there a way that they're going to enjoy and actually accept all of them on the field at the same time? If he's playing every day, 
he's back in the second round for me. But it's yeah. I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's weird. Yeah, I was I was all I've never been in on him. I've been on him. I was all out on him. And you know, felt real smart about myself this year. But I don't know. I'm tempted next year. I can feel it in my bones. Like if he's back in there, and I don't know. Some of that might have been manager speak about like, oh, we don't even yeah. know if he's an everyday player. Like he's a young guy. He's obviously seems to have maybe some like maturity issues. So they're like, hey, we're going to motivate him by, you know, I'm not even sure if he's an everyday player. And then he goes off and he has like, you know, one of his other monster months. He's going to be tough to ignore, and I think you're right. If he's if he's healthy and full time, he'll be second rounder again in 2022. And you can't argue it. Like people well, will because they want to be the you know the hot take central and do this and that. But if the dude's healthy, he's proven time and time again he is an absolute game changer. Even in the the not playing every day role in September this month, he gets you at least one steal a game, if not two. He's getting you a home run like every three game. Like he's that good. He really is. So it's just a matter of putting him out. There. He could go 15, 30 in half a season. Yeah, easily easily so yeah he like we're loving what wit and starling are doing right now he could make that look silly if he played a full season so like t- legit 20 to 25 homers and 65 plus stolen bases is not out of the realm of possibilities with him so yeah, yeah that's that's ridiculous that's worth that's worth overall well that's why we we talked about it at the beginning of the season when steamers projections first came out mondesi i believe it was mondesi and vlad were the top one and two based on projections for like end of season like uh dollar values uh, yeah. When Rob Silverman put it out there, there's a reason for that. <laughs> like it's that important to your team. So as much as people want to like you know take their stands, and that's good because you the one thing we always talk about is you need to to have your your guys, your picks, your you know validations and things. Otherwise, there's no point. But um, just realize if you're anti monacy and he stays healthy, you're going to eat those words at the end. That's just the sad part of the truth because he's that good. But um, so I'm with you there. Pitching wise, like uh, we mentioned, Cole, Degrom, Scherzer, Burns, all these guys, I'm seeing much, a lot more conversation about Burns being the number one guy, and I get it. My concern is he's still young, and this is a big jump in innings for him this year. I'm concerned. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to get hurt, but I'm still concerned. There's going to be a little bit of a a lull or something coming in there. Where do you have? I, I know you ranked him going here, but where do you foresee Burns going in the the, the hierarchy of the, uh, the elite starting pitcher? Yeah, I think he'll end up um, like in the top three in just about every draft. Uh, I mean, the way I go, I've got Cole. Part of that's because I feel like his floor is great. I've got Bueller. Part of that's because I think that they've been building his innings, and I and the Dodgers, you know, they, like they'll 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 they will skip him if they need to. They'll make sure he's in the right place to start. And I just think he's also one of the most talented pitchers. And then I've got Woodruff over Burns um, for the three and four. Now, part of the reason for that is because of what you said. Like Woodruff has more innings in his pocket. You know, he's got at least so he's done it before a little bit more, and that's the that's the main reason, to be honest. So, what you brought up, I think, is a legitimate concern. But his stuff is just so good. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, I don't see him going. Uh, I, I, I'll be surprised if he's if he's not the number three, you know, SP three off the board in twenty twenty two. And I don't, you know, th- I think those guys are. Probably, I'm not touching Degrom um, unless he falls to me uh, a few rounds later. I just unless he comes back and shows us something. Um, so that, and I think I think there'll be a little bit of an injury discount there for him. So I I think he'll probably be you know maybe fourth or fifth. Uh, I mean, Degrom was insane, but so was Scherzer, and yeah. Scherzer's going to come out of the season with much with much more momentum than he will. So I, I I'll bet Degrom will be like an SP six. Yeah, I'm terrified for two reasons. A, when you have a partially torn anything in your any LCL, 
Um, that's that's not going to be good. And uh, we've seen guys pitch through it. Tanaka did it for a while, and eventually it caught up with him, but he was not as effective. We can be honest about that. Um, DeGrom's different. At the same time, I'm also terrified knowing that DeGrom could still go to Grom and I just let him go right past me. <laughs> so it's, it's a it's a tough spot. Unfortunately, it's similar to the way I feel about Mondesi in yep. a way. <laughs> yep. like they're both they're both like team winning or players and you're just like yeah i probably gotta let this one go let's just hope for the best but um it's a tough one and you mentioned scherzer as, as a very good fallback option as well because the dude's a freak so I, i'm with you on that one when we talk about uh we were looking for guys with stolen bases we know the power outputs that, that also provide your runs and your rbis this year this year batting average has been down that's just pretty simple stuff um, I think that maybe helps get guys like Ozzy Albies moved up a little more because that was always kind of one of the bugaboos about him is, is the power legit? Well, he's proven it is for the last couple of years now. He gets his 30th home run. Um, but the batting average is still, you know, it's not great. But on this season, it's actually pretty good. So yeah. are we just going to go into it um, not as concerned with batting average in draft season? Or are you just like, screw it, I'll just get like Nicky Lopez or uh, someone else later in the draft to go that route, even though that might be more of a some dead stat spots? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's what Yuli you know, as, you, as your Yuli. good friend, friend Flip says, Flip. what Yuli Gurriel is for, right? Yep. I mean, he's a he's a big Gurriel late guy. Yep. I mean, Albies, like I said, I just I see this is batting average floor. You know, is you know he's hitting what two seventy and uh, no, he's got hitting two fifty five. Yep. His BABIP is two seventy. It's this is a guy that's low BABIP, well above three hundred in most years with BABIP. Yep. He's going to be 30, 100, 100. He could end up 30, 20 with 100, 100. So he's made the leap. Um, I, I don't think um, – I, I definitely don't want to uh, uh, ignore batting average, but I, I, I'll draft Albies thinking he's going to be a batting average asset. I think he's going to be a 270, 275 guy minimum with some upside there. Uh, you know, he's a young guy and he's still growing too. So um, I, I, I think you have to pay attention to batting average, but I don't think – I think you have to readjust what the right batting average is. Similar to like whip, you know, like I'm in a league. It's a 12-teamer, granted, but um, my whip is like 1.18, which to me sounds amazing, yeah. and, it, and I'm like an eighth or ninth. Oh, man. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> so, 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 you know, that's a 12-team league, so take it for what it's worth, but like – um, you know, it's just, just what that's just an, I think like we need, one of the things you have to do every year is take a look at, you know, who, whatever, uh, whatever formula you want to use. I generally look at what categories does it take to win a, you know, a, a 12 team league or 15 team league and to finish like third in each category, what does that look like? Uh, and then that gives me a good idea of what I should be shooting for across the board in terms of goals. Yep. So that just helps you, helps me calibrate my batting average, helps me calibrate um, my ERA and WHIP. On the other hand, we could get a totally different ball next year. So who the hell knows? Yep. Because Rob Manfred runs baseball. Yeah, or we get more hidden humidors we didn't know about till almost the end of the season. That uh, just makes things more fun. So a million different things that could be different there. I also have a couple more because we could probably pick apart most of twenty twenty two if we sat here all day. But um, Robbie Ray is a, t- is a topic of conversation these days. He's very popular and very uh, probably the Cy Young winner, to be honest, in the AL. At least, you know, I think he deserves it, but we'll see. It'll be close. Um, Come down to the last couple starts, actually. It's going to be interesting. It's still Robbie Ray, which always leaves a little thought in the back of my mind, like, is this change for real? He's done it all season, so it should be for real. That that makes you feel a little better. Where, um, but, but where do you see yourself with Ray next year? Because I believe he's a free agent also, so he's going to be going potentially somewhere else. 
Or the Jays just say, you know what, he was still good for us. Let's just pony up and uh, make this happen. I mean, you know, when I was, not, I missed the Robbie Ray train this season because um, I didn't pay as attention to spring stats as some other did and some of his performance, which I think at least indicated there'd be more success than he had had in the past. But also, like AL East, like I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be a terrible landing spot. So, once again, I do think it depends on where he lands. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to take him in the first three or four rounds, so I don't know if I'll, 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 yeah. I'll have him. But I'll, I'm not against him. Um, I, I will just bake in some some regression, I, uh, especially on uh, – I think he'll walk more – it's more likely to regress on the walks next year. Strikeouts will be there. And then um, – so if he's there in the fifth or sixth round maybe, um, you know, I'd be interested in that. But I don't know if he will be. We'll see what the what the heel – I mean, in NFBC he almost definitely won't because yeah. – It'll be a second rounder in those yeah. leagues, but uh, but uh, but uh, in other leagues, you know, maybe he he, he you know he slips through, and I'll, I'll own a little bit of him on one of my rosters. The last guy I'm going to ask you about on this one that's got a lot of helium already might have been worse if he didn't go on the IL and missed the rest of the season. But neither one of us had him in our top thirty. I think he might sneak into the second round. That's Wander Franco. Uh, how, yeah. how do you foresee that? Because he's another one of those guys, similar to the you know Chisholm conversation that we had. They're like literally that steam's going to keep rolling, and if he comes out in you know first couple weeks of spring, he starts dropping bombs again. It's going to be like, well, here we go. So, <laughs> what do you have him? Yeah, I mean, if he gets in, I don't man. If he gets in the second round, I just think, man, I mean, he doesn't. He's not running that. He's way. not running at all. If he, if he was a if he was running, I'd be like, oh, okay, maybe we got something. I think he'll end up in the third. He might. You may end up getting. You may even look, be lucky and get him towards the end of the third, where Rosarina was going this time last yeah. year. I think the hit tool is like ridiculously legit. You look at the strikeout to walk. You just look at the way he holds. If you ever play baseball, you just watch the way he holds a bat, takes in at bat. He he's a pro. Like he's advanced. Often he's just through the roof. Yeah, it just he, that, he just he knows what he's doing. He's got mm-hmm. his approach is ridiculous, and he's and he's he's a thick boy, like thicker mm-hmm. than I thought he was going to be. And you know has nice power, and I think that power will be good. I just without without the speed component, I just don't know why you would take him that early. Um, this is why you play dynasty, so you have him on a couple of teams, so you can root for him, and you don't have to reach uh, into the second round to get a guy like Wander. I'll bet my but my bet is on average he's a third round guy. I don't think I'll have him in many places because I think you're betting on the come too much there. And you look at a lot of the guys that go in the third round. First of all, that's probably where I'll, I'm, that's where where may, I may be fishing for my first ace, for my first pitcher, right? True. Well, batter, batter. I'll probably be looking for an arm in that third, and then second, there's a lot of good arms that are going to be around there. Like we haven't talked about Eloy, we haven't talked about Jose Abreu, you know, we haven't talked about some like some 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 monster bats. We haven't talked about Pete Alonso. We haven't. There's a, there's some Matt Olson, like Matt a bunch Olson, of them. Tim, yeah. Tim Anderson, yep. You know, um, Alex Bregman. I mean, like, so, I mean, there's, there's some talented players that go in that third round. So um, I'll, I'm more likely to take all those guys I just mentioned ahead of Wander. So um, I don't think, so unless he lasts a little bit longer, if he hangs around till the fourth or fifth, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. uh, The comment I made when a listener asked that question, like um, almost a month ago, it feels like someone in your draft is always going to like him more than you. That's the way I see it. Someone's going to jump and take him. Like, it's going to happen. Um, The one comparison I'll make, and based on where you and I both have this player ranked, I think we'll both take him over Wander Franco. But when you look at the profile, the position, no speed, this kind of screams Xander Bogarts-esque. 
yeah. yet, but we're we're putting him again. I'm guilty of it too. That's why I said we're putting him a good chunk away. Yeah, I mean, but Xander's done it before, right? Yeah, true. And um, and I think and Xander, you're right. I think they'll probably have the same amount of speed, probably five between you know five to ten bags somewhere in there. So I think they're similar on that front. But to me, Xander's just done it before, so I'm going to take that guy. He's got three straight years of hitting 300. I mean, going back to your batting average question. Yeah, he's a great me, staple. Give me that guy. Give me the give me the guy in the middle of the lineup. And I don't the Rays, I don't think the Rays are gonna ray wander. I don't see them doing that. They let Meadows no. play. They let Rosa Ray to play mostly. But you know, he could get he could have a little slump and you never know. I mean, they've got they will not play him for an extended period of time through it, I don't think either. They may give him some days off here or there. So for me, no, I I'll take I'll take the guy who's done it. A few, you know, a few years in a row. No, that's that's fair. It's very fair. Um, let's talk about some final week stuff to go to because we're gonna have a lot of 2022 breaking down stuff for a long ways to go here. But we have one week of baseball to go, pretty much. Once people listen to this, it'll probably be late Thursday, Friday, maybe Saturday. So you got about a week to go um, with the rest of your baseball season. I just wanted to highlight a few things, and we can get your thoughts on this. Um, Cleveland, Kansas City, the White Sox, Pittsburgh, Detroit, all have seven games. Miami and the Mets have seven games, but they have a double header, so kind of shorter seven games. Um, the, the, the rainouts that took place on Wednesday, they got put on the Monday. That kind of extended some guys' weeks. That made things interesting. You have Boston has three at Baltimore and three at the Nats, and four lefties overall, which is intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleveland has four games against Kansas City and three at Texas, especially that Texas series could be nice for some of your Cleveland bats. Uh, Colorado has three in Coors versus the Nats, but then three in Arizona, which is not too shabby either, if you believe in the road Rockies or not. We'll see. And then um, either, I, I put a category for teams that need wins, so you know at least they'll be starting their guys. So that gives you a, a thought as well. Uh, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Reds, the Padres, maybe. like well, It all depends as the week goes on. Probably also Yankees, Red yeah. Sox, and Blue Jays. Red Sox, Blue Jays. So that's the one fun thing. There's probably about – 10, 12 teams that are still kind of grinding hard through this. Do you see anything that stands out as a situation that really looks good to exploit um, coming into the next uh, next final week of action? I mean, nothing, nothing that, uh, nothing extreme like this week we had. What did we have? Oh yeah, nine games for the Indians. Yeah, not, not, nothing really um, that significant. I think you, you, uh, the seven game teams. You're obviously going to want to play. I think you know Boston and um, uh, Colorado. Like I'll be playing my play, I'll be playing my Rockies this week. So mm-hmm. you know I've got like I've had a lot of Ryan McMahon and Sam Hilliard, and it's like literally I'm trying to platoon them as much as possible. Like literally every series at home start, every series away bench, and it seems to be working out. So that's what I'll be looking at with the Rockies, and it is nice that hopefully what you don't have is you know, the last day of the season and, you know, your team is someone's clinched a spot and it doesn't really matter. And then they pull, you know, your ace off of Sunday and you need that person for your fantasy championship, but that's always in the cards. Uh, but I don't think there's anything, uh, um, any tremendous, um, uh, you know, advantages. Uh, and, you know, by the way, like you're not really going to want to play Pittsburgh hitters or KC hitters. Detroit, on the other hand, like I'll tell you. Sneaky good, sneaky good. Good man, watch. I mean, Akil Badu and Heimer, Candelario and Robbie Grossman. I mean, Detroit's got some players and another guy that, like, I was just looking. Victor Reyes is heating up. You know, one of the mm-hmm. forgotten names. So, you know, take a look at Detroit. I think that they've got seven games, and that that lineup does tend to hit. Yeah, and and you mentioned a fun thing that literally is out of your control. Is we've seen it the last couple of weeks already. Guys moving rotation spots around after you've your lineups have locked, and you're sitting there. It's like, 
oh no, um, are, you put them in because they're facing this team and now they're facing the team you didn't want them to face, stuff like that, that's going to happen next week too. That's going to yeah. happen a lot. So just buckle up and go. And once you lock that lineup in, besides making weekend moves for an FPC offense, cross your fingers. That's all I could say. Um, <laughs> we have a we have a listener question here from Boom Zoom uh, on Twitter. It says, "Not really a question, more of a comment." It seems that roto leagues with games starts limits, ESPN for example, are rarely discussed. Most co- podcasts just discuss starting pitcher options as if there are no limits. Just start these guys because they will get you a a, a win or strikeouts, good ratios. He says he guesses his question would be if you have any tips about what pace you should try for for during the season and how you approach the last two weeks, basically in innings limits or positional game played limit leagues. So, I mean, I played in a number of leagues like this in the past. Um, and if you play auto new, for example, on mm-hmm. fan graphs, that, that also lends itself to this. Um, the thing to do for pitchers specifically is to really pump up the canine guys. Uh, the people like we were talking about, like Wade Miley, that you might be able to play, uh, you know, even as just a streaming starter in a fifth or sixth, like they go way down in value. Those guys with like six Ks per nine and those guys like Carlos Rodon, who are striking out 12 per nine, they go way up. So the, that's the, the, the you have to figure out what that looks like in your league with your formula. But the thing to do is bump up those came, the strikeout pitchers even more because every inning is worth more. So that to me, that's like that. That's that's one of the things. And the other thing you can do, depending on the depth of the league, is look for those high K relievers, not necessarily closers. Their value can go up in those leagues. So you get a um, you know uh, class A, for example, before he was in the closers yeah. role, or you get a someone one someone you know Whitlock or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, get, get your Whitlock in there. Someone with ten plus Ks per nine. Um, and I'm using K per nine. I know I should be using the percentages. I'm still a little old school on that. Mm-hmm. But um, but when you look at those those numbers on fan graphs, because they're right there, you know, plug in some of those middle relievers. Sometimes they're going to have more value than uh, some of those low K starters. So that would be my advice on it. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. The, the K per nine, K to walk ratio, whatever anybody wants to use. That's uh, that's very, very important. because that's, that's one way you maximize that relegated innings, like you said, that you have. The other thing I'd say for bats is, I guess this would be more towards your draft section. When you draft, focus on those K per nine guys, and so it limits your depth of starting pitchers because you're not going to be really streaming pitchers as much because you're limited on your innings. Like when we're playing like NFBC, we can stream two pitch two start pitchers looking for Ks and wins, and not worried about this or that. Which you don't really want to just throw those guys out there in, in a limit league where you could use those bench spots for those multi-position guys that help with a guy getting hurt. Now you're not going to miss three or four days waiting to replace him when those are at bats you could use. I know it's, it sounds silly and maybe it's a different philosophy, but I try to maximize at bats just like you're trying to maximize innings with pitchers. And it's, it's different ways of doing it because obviously if you have, um, let's say, a Xander Bogarts who probably pays 155 games, well, it's only a six-game window, but that's 24 at bats, and that's, that adds up in a big hurry. And I'm not saying go over the top because I've done this before when I'm not paying attention. And you get, all of a sudden, it's a five outfield league and you have seven outfielders. And you just keep putting outfielders in. Well, next thing you know, you have two outfield spots you can't use for the last three weeks because you've overdone it. So there's a fine line in it. And that's why I'm not the biggest fan of that kind of format. It's very frustrating because I just want to play my guys and, and do that. Yep. But it's um, I would say I think Chris's advice is the best to maximize the pitching for sure. And I think in doing so, you could put more bench emphasis like even if as silly as it sounds, get an extra catcher because those guys take so many days off. Yeah, you, you'll waste like 
50 to 60 games if you just have one catcher. That's a yeah, lot was, of at-bats. I was about to say the other – on offense, what I was going to suggest is bump up your catcher values a little bit. I mean, a, a real well, move. Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> because what ends up happening in most cases is you go over in most category, in most, most positions, and you'll be under a catcher uh, unless you really plan for it. Um, and so like Salvi every day, you get like a Salvi or, or, you know, I mean, um, you know, rail Muto, you know, he's not playing every day, but try to get one of those guys and, or get two, like pay up for a second yeah. catcher because you want to be able to have a catcher in there um, uh, as, mu- as much as possible. You, unless it's a daily league, it's almost impossible for, yeah. quite frankly, in a weekly moves league to, to get a hundred and six, to get all your catchers games. And cause no catchers play seven games a week. No, that, that, that'd be a definite spot to target, but uh, it's a good question because it is not discussed nearly enough. I agree with you hundred percent there. Um, it's a league format that, uh, yeah, not the biggest fan of. I'm in a couple of them, but I get angry at the end of every season. I lost a league last year because I literally had to like, I had like three spots the final week. I couldn't put people in. And I was just I, like, this is not right. This is not right. So this is I was, American, damn it. Yeah, this, this is, is not right. I'm supposed to be my well, best players out there. Speaking of uh, Salvi, what are you doing with him next year? So I've heard some people trying to push him up into the second round. I I, no. I, I can't touch him in in even the third. I'll tell you, man. I don't even know maybe the fourth or fifth. But what are you doing with Salvi? He's going to be JTR. There's, they're going to switch spots. Was the way I look at it. So one will go in like round three. One will go around five or six, give or take. Maybe people go back in on JTR and move him up a little bit. But Salvi will be in JTR spot in round three. And I likely won't have any, which will break my heart because I've been Team Salvi for years now. Um, yeah. So that's really going to stink because I will not have him anywhere because I, w- I won't pay the price. Like yeah. you said, like you said, it's either if you go pitchers early, you're, you need a big bat where you can't trust a catcher there. Like as much as honestly, you can't trust him. Or if you go hitters early, you got to get your ace. So it's just not feasible unless you have a really hardcore strategy. Yeah, you have to really build your entire strategy around it. I mean um, – I, Salvi is like, I love him, love watching him play. The regression's going to come. JT's got 15 bags this year, man. If he repeats that next year, he may be C1 again over Salvi. And then you got Will Smith knocking on the door. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. And then the other thing I think we're going to see hopefully next year is a couple of young catchers making their debuts at some point mm-hmm. um, with Rutschman and maybe maybe Alvarez and maybe, um, maybe Bart getting him back up oh, there if yeah. he can figure out how to cut down on the strikeout. So, you know, there's a wave of young catchers coming up in the next year or two. It's going to be interesting to see how that influences the landscape because I think um, it hasn't been as terrible as it used to be historically, but it's still a tough place for us. And two catcher leagues are still really rough to, to try to navigate. Yeah, no, it's it's not nearly as bad because even Grandal after the rough start, he's hitting for average now. But you had guys like Alejandro Kirk, Eric Haas. Um, there's just there's a, there's a litany of guys all of a sudden. Like I made the joke throughout the season – you could almost stream catchers like you stream pitchers at, at times because there's so many, like every two or three weeks, a new, like two or three guys would come available to, to at least give them a shot. Or if you just want old, boring, and don't care about power, like Scott, or not Scott, sorry, uh, Jacob Stallings goes out there and yep. he hits for an okay average. Like he's a great, to me, he's a great, I'm punting as a catcher too. Like just throw him out there because he's going to play two thirds of their games and yeah. is what it is. So, it's definitely not the barren wasteland that it once was. Still not, a, you know, great, but it's more like Bakersfield, not Death Valley. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it's for those California people who understand that. But um, it's getting better. It's getting better for sure. 
All right, Chris, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, I had a lot of fun chatting with you on this. I think I'm, we're going to have to talk some more this offseason because 2022 go. is going to, it's going to be a very, um, like you mentioned, between kind of deciphering this first full season since we had the mid, the small season and the injuries that we're worried about still. So there's a lot going on, and it's not even October yet. So uh, before we sign out of here again, remind everybody where they can find your work and all that good stuff. Well, thanks again for having me on. You know, you know, you're one of my favorites, and I don't say that to every place I go. You, I retweet, I probably listen and uh, review and promote everyone, almost every one of your of your episodes. So you know, I'm a big fan. I think you're one of the best in business. So really appreciate you having me on. Um, If you're interested, you know me. I'm at Baseball Pods on Twitter. Most people do know that, but are probably listening to your show. Some people might not know. Check out baseball-pods.com. I did some fun stuff last offseason, like Bubba said. I did my five, I had a five guys series. Um, people like Bubba and Vlad said they were kind enough to say nice things about. And uh, but the the Dynasty five hundred, I've already got my top one hundred reworked, which really means I've got my top two hundred almost done. Um, but uh, that'll be something I'm working on in the coming weeks, and it'll probably publish over there at baseball podscom um, but I uh, love to any, anytime, Bubba, anytime you want me and, or if you need a replacement for flip at the last minute, let me know. I probably will. That guy takes more vacations than anybody I know. I'm just telling him that I give him our time. That's because he's got a good mental health work life balance. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I, that's where I need to go take more vacations is what it comes down to. Um, but I, I appreciate you uh, joining me and we, we will do this again for sure. In the off season, um, the diehards are the only ones that want to record most of the time. So I know you're one of those. So I'll, I'll get you to come jump on with me and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk some shop again, but everybody check him out on Twitter at baseball pods. If you aren't already, well, I don't know why you're listening to me. So uh, check him out. And this was bench with Bubba episode four Oh three. Catch you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>